0: Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real life matters.
1: Welcome back to Therapists Uncensored. This is episode 18, where we're going to talk about how communicating with our loved ones can feel so charged and dangerous at times. Using the polyvagal theory, we'll discuss why we have extreme reactions to those we love, even when we don't want to. I'm Ann Kelly. I'm Patty Allwell. And I'm Sue Marriott.
0: And we are happy that you have either rejoined us or found us because we're going to be talking about something that we actually haven't covered at all yet on the podcast. It's going to be a new subject about the brain and... Figuring out why we do the really dumb things that we do sometimes, (laughs) Um, which is kind of our specialty, isn't it?
1: Doing the dumb things or talking about them (laughs) or both, I guess.
0: I think my specialty is probably doing them. So the book, let's just start with that and who that we're going to be covering is, um, he's a researcher and a clinician and his
1: name is Stephen Porges. And the book title... It's a mouthful. It's a polyvagal theory, the foundation of emotions, attachment, communication, and self-regulation.
0: Well, I thought I would start with a very embarrassing example. Is that going to be okay? Okay, sure, we'd we'd be (laughs) delighted to hear your example. (laughs) Exactly. You'd be delighted for me to humiliate myself. Speaking of humiliating myself, actually, let me give an update for our listeners that we are super excited about that we are watching this podcast grow. We're new and we can't believe it. But we are spreading around the world. And I wanted to do a quick shout out to our listeners internationally in particular. And we've got all these countries, people listening. We're now up to 71 countries. That's right. And we're all over the United States. So we really want to know that we're thinking of you and we're giving you a big shout out and a big wave. And we hope that you communicate with us and tell us what you think and uh, any ideas you have. And so hello and welcome. I say that as I give my embarrassing example as I realize that the world is listening. Um, (laughs) But the reason I'm willing to offer it is because I don't think I'm alone. And that is that, you know, by day, I am a professional and a successful therapist and uh, happily married and, you know, have kids thriving. I, I appear to be an ordinary person, mildly successful, I would say. However, at a drop of a hat, I can lose my mind. I can I can get triggered and I think of it as turtling up. What that looks like is I have trouble making eye contact. I kind of go mute. Uh, I, I don't understand what's going on. I feel like almost fetaling up. You know what I mean? I will really withdraw and efforts to reach me feel invasive or intrusive. To me, it's very obvious what's going on and what needs to happen, but apparently it's not that obvious to everybody else. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets it wrong.
1: <laughs> they pick up your shell and start throwing it against That's the wall. That's right. They start t- everybody's tapping
0: on it. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I use that as an example, like I want to understand what the heck is going on. And there's this new research, it's relatively new. And again, it's different than what we've talked about before with Siegel and with interpersonal neurobiology, um, and it's called polyvagal theory. So does anybody want to pick up from there and we'll kind of keep... Digging yeah. into this, it's a kind of a, it's a more advanced or it's a more detailed kind of digging in a little deeper than what we've done before, right? And
2: I think it's basically talking about how our how our nervous system can react to safety or lack of safety. Yeah. So why do I turtle up, Patty? You turtle up <laughs> because you you think that the situation is unsafe and you can't figure out
0: how to get away, so you go in. Right. That's exactly right. So what Dr. Porges has um, through a lot of research. And he actually does a lot of work with autism. He has basically thrown out this theory, not thrown it out, but really refined it, that the nervous system has basically, from an evolutionary standpoint, going from reptilian to mammal... Um, And he does actually talk about turtles. So it's not an accident that I think of it that way. And then probably some of you listening might relate to some of this, that basically there's, there's kind of three different systems in our body and that the three different systems are designed to adapt to three different things. And the three different things are safety, that there's a safety system and there's a threat system and there is a danger system.
1: All the systems are there to keep us engaged in the world in the safest way. I mean, what we're talking about is survival and we, our bodies are intricately developed to have three systems to be able to help us engage in the world and protect us when there's threat and danger.
0: That's right. And they're evolutionarily stacked on top of each other. What's unique about this is that the way we've talked about it before is almost more of like that it's chunked, like that it's one thing. And this, we're beginning now to differentiate it, that it's actually three separate systems that can get activated. So and what we're going to do today is we're going to go through those different systems. And I want you, as you're listening, to really think about, because you have this inside you. And so I want you to think about how you relate and what it looks like for you when you're in any of these three systems. So where do we want to begin?
1: Well, one of the things you had said for the for the listeners is that we generally divide it into two things and we're adding a third. So I was just going to clarify what yeah. I think you mean by the two things we talk about uh, quite a bit about how to feel safe and open, and that when we feel threatened or, or we think there's danger, we go into more of a fight or flight mode. And I think that for the listeners, that's a pretty familiar thing. You know, you either feel safe or if you feel threatened, you, you go into this activation and you're ready to snarl at somebody or run from them. And that's our survival. And I think that's how we've talked about it and conceptualized it for so many years. And that what Stephen Porches is really adding in this third part is what we're going to speak about.
0: Right. Um, we're going to add to it. Right. Well, and I would say it just a little bit differently, which is... Um Yes, well, and develop
1: and develop the safety part exactly. In a much, yeah, yeah, in a much exactly. more complex way instead of you're safe or you're threatened, but the safety and what that safety is about in the social engagement.
0: Exactly, that's right, and, and that's perfect. That um, he developed a term and he coined it himself. It's called neuroception, and that's a fancy way for saying that we scan, we're scanning and we're perceiving outside of our awareness. We're not thinking about it, but we're we're perceiving all the time. Safety and danger. And so, so the best example, so let's just talk about safety, for example, and that's where you had started, Patty, was that when we're in the green zone, and we're not even necessarily aware of it, we're not consciously saying, I feel safe. But when you see a child playing, and they're really spontaneously playing, and their smile takes up their whole face, and their eyes are smiling, and they're cuddling, he talks about something called immobilization without fear. And that, that is a sign of real safety. It's like when two lovers are holding one another and your body is really still, but there's no fear. That is, that's gold. And that's a sign that you're in the green zone. Totally. Um, so that's what we what all this is leading to is we want to maximize our green zone. And what that is called is the ventral vagal system. It's the 10th cranial nerve. And Patty, do you want to tell us a little bit about the 10th cranial nerve? Sure. So basically, there's two parts of this nerve, two branches. And one is called
2: the ventral vagal, and it's a myelinated um, nerve system. And what that means is it's faster, So, um, and it's it's more modern. It's a later developed um, system. And basically, it controls your um, cranial muscles. So if you are making facial expressions, if you are humming or singing it, also controls your throat and your, your vocal cords.
0: So when you're doing those things, you're actually stimulating the ventral vagal. That's great. And that's, that's the part, that's the green part. That's what we want to be doing. And so when, let's just say, for example, we're sitting there and a person come, a stranger comes in. It's a little bit easier to talk about it with a, from a child's perspective, but this is, equally true, let's say at a party or just socially, that someone comes in, the first thing that we do is we assess them socially. So we look, we, our ears perk up, and um, maybe we engage them either with our eyes, like we make eye contact, and we're, we're scanning to see, is it friend or foe? Right. And if that goes well, then they signal to us, Non-verbally, usually, maybe verbally, they smile, their eyes give us something, all's good, we stay in the green zone. But let's say we pick up something a little creepy, or (laughs) they snarl, as you said earlier, Ian. (laughs) Or just that they're flat. Their face. Actually, what's interesting is immobilization um, of the face means that they're armored. That they're not in the. Gr- they aren't in the green zone. And guess what happens? If they're not in the green zone, what's that going to do to my green zone? It's probably going to stimulate you and make you feel threatened. That's right. But it's unconscious. You don't even know you're responding. Exactly. One of the things about neuroception is it's outside of our awareness. We don't even know it. So the next stage. So remember, we talked about three systems. The first system is safety and the green zone. Um, one, there's two red zones. So the first red zone is that if that doesn't work and I check out the person and they don't give me a good vibe, then I'm going to get activated, and that's kind of what you were talking about, Ian, about the fight flight. Like maybe I will um, give them a mean look back, or or leave the <laughs> party, <laughs> exact, or leave the party. Or let's say it's me and my partner, and um, he or she is rude when they come in and I'm like hey you know what's up and and then they're they're still rude then I either I'm gonna aggress back or maybe I'll withdraw, right?
1: That's right. now I'm activated and I'm in fight flight mode. And so much of that, Sue, is just a reminder, is, is instinctual, right? And it's it's not our conscious process. And I think that's so hard because it feels conscious. If your partner snaps at you and you snap back, how often do you go, but you snapped at me first. Right. And it's sort of irrelevant, but what it is, is your body are both matching each other in this feeling of feeling danger. Like you you look at me and what you're talking about, Patty, now that your eyes are squinting and those things in your... Face that are saying I'm upset, I'm angry, and you're communicating a sense of danger to me, then my body's prepped, and it's instinctual. It's mm-hmm. it's a part of us that are just nature calling us to remember. It's to prepare us to protect us.
2: And you know, Anne, that's really valuable. And part of what I hope we can just talk about a little bit is how you can recognize those things
0: and do things to change to sort of recruit your body to change your state. I totally want to get to that for sure because we want to know we want to learn how to go from the red zone back to the green
1: zone. Absolutely. Even before we get into that, Sue, take us into the part about trying to understand the other red zone because I think that's the really yeah, the, that's the meat a, of what we really want to understand right. before yeah, we very get you're excited ho- about that, aren't you? to <laughs> get into
0: how <laughs> So, and we, just one other quick example of the red the, this red zone and then I will promise I'll get to the uh, other one. But like that the activated red zone is we're, what we're talking about just for those of you who are kind of following in, on a little more Depth is that that's a sympathetic system where you're activated? You're going to move. You're going to get into safety in a more you know you're going to fight the saber tooth tiger or you're going to be able to run from the saber tooth tiger. And um, but you're armored now. Now you have your spear in your hand, and so that's kind of like let's go back to the fight with the partner. And that's that. Sometimes that sounds like well, I said I'm sorry. You know what else do you want? But you can hear that there's not the open hearted. And a lot of times you don't know that you're armored and you think you've checked off the box. What else do they want from you? So I don't know if, if you all can relate to that. But then what you're putting out is red, but you're not aware of it. And then guess what you're going to get back is probably not green. Lots more red. Exactly. Yeah. But I said, I'm sorry, Patty. Like, what's the problem? That's not an apology. <laughs> you're relentless. <laughs> so I don't know, listeners, if you can relate to any of this. But if you can begin, the part of the idea is if we can begin to read our bodies and sort of outsmart our old, these old, the polyvagal system, right? Okay. So, Anne, we've got the red zone, the green zone of the safety, the red zone of activation and the sympathetic system of fight flight. And then the third one Anne is pointing out is the dorsal vagal system, which is the other part of the nerve. And that is where we drop down. And that is when there's, there's a pers- the neuropercep- the neuroperception. Well, actually, I guess that's true. Um, but there's the perception. It's usually nonconscious. There's a perception, even sometimes of life threat. You now, somebody else might not see that, but there's something that feels to the body, to the uh, to the unconscious very, very dangerous. So that's the mouse that kind of passes out in the cat's mouth and the cat kind of loses interest and puts the mouth down and starts licking its paws and the uh, mouse gets to get away. Um, it often happens in sexual abuse and severe trauma.
2: Yeah. And PTSD, you know, if a, if a veteran hears a horn go off and they feel like they're, it's a siren, you know, and they're all of a sudden back in a war zone, ready to face combat. And- it doesn't matter that that was a
0: car horn. It still feels like a life and death threat. That's exactly right. And so um, that's the dropping all the way down. And that, that goes back to the parasympathetic. And the parasympathetic is, some, is what controls that high activation. So, you know, a lot of... So earlier when I talked about the me turtling up, that that's... Some of that has to do with like just dropping all the way down. It's a way of finding safety when there's a perception of real danger. And sometimes there really is that danger. Uh, the saber-toothed tiger actually has you and the, the, the thing is bigger than you and there's really no way out. Or sometimes there's just a perception of that. Or, or maybe you have used that defense at some point in your life. And so it's kind of already habituated. It's Yeah, it's grooved so that when you get
1: particularly frightened, you just kind of go there. And it, it's, I, I like what you're saying, how you're saying it. It's a, it's an intense threat that hits us. And so what makes us go to a fight or flight in that one red zone versus when we feel danger versus the intense threat where we actually drop that down into a more parasympathetic effect like the mouse or, or opossum's a great example. Yeah, opossum's a great playing dead, They're not actually playing. Their whole body just went dead. That's right. And their, their system shuts down. Their heart goes lower. Their digestive tract slows down. So you have an actual physiological response, and it's not conscious, you didn't choose it, but it's because not only do you feel a great deal of threat, you feel trapped, or you are trapped, or you have the perception that you can't get out. And so your body, if you think about it, is doing it to protect yourself, because if you can't run, and we can't outrun a saber-toothed tiger, and we know it, you know, like you can't outrun, so your body is going to drop down. And it's actually, for many it can be functional in a, sen- in a sense of deep threat where you're trapped. And, and Patty, you talk a little bit about that, the talking about the functional elements of what happens when you drop down that low. What does it provide for us in our survival? Sure.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, if you are the mouse, I mean, it, what, it, what it provides for you is that in some cases, the predator will go away and you'll survive. If the predator stick, sticks around, it raises your pain tolerance so that if you actually are killed or injured, you won't feel it as much as you would if you weren't in that, that ven, the dorsal vagal uh, system. That's right.
1: It's a defense of last resort. Defensive, last resort, or protective. And you mentioned, if we bring it to a human level, you mentioned PTSD or sexual abuse. And to, to kind of touch on that because you're really sensitive. If, if something's happening to you as a child or even as an adult and it isn't overwhelming your system and you're trapped, the idea of being able to distance and dissociate and it's, not be... It's life-saving. Is like, you're, not as, you're not as aware in your body and you leave your body. It protects you in pain and it helps you dissociate. You even don't have as much of a memory in some ways. Of it because you have distance, so it's a really protective at the time of threat. And what you mentioned, Patty, we talk about habituated is that we can habituate to it, and it, then it's not as functional when a bell goes off or your partner's there and your partner's really not threatened threatening to you, but your body is responding in a real traumatic way.
0: Right. And then the other half of that, though, is like you say that, you know, in the world now or like not in war or not in an abusive situation, um, if somebody's turtling up on you, then it's... Very dysregulating for the other person because what the other person needs is I is again the green zone
2: social engagement. They want eye contact, they want to hear a soft voice, and if you've dropped into that uh, dorsal, dorsal bagel, yeah, you are unavailable, and that that is frightening to the other person, but frightening in the sense of stimulating. And so they try harder, and as they try harder, you turtle tapping more. on the shelf. That's right. <laughs> And so it's sort of a feedback loop that couples often get caught in, you know, where, and, and this is really true with parents of autistic kids who can't make eye contact, who have a flat affect, and that stimulates the parents to keep trying harder and harder to try to make eye contact, to try and, you know, reach their children. And in, in essence...
0: That harder and harder yes. is really counterproductive. It's counterproductive, but I really love getting that other half in because it also sort of helps us have compassion for how much we need social engagement mm-hmm. just from the most fundamental level that we're social animals, we're so- social creatures. And to lose that even for a moment is very threatening and very stimulating. Or it
1: feels very threatening. Well, I and think, very think it stim- is. I think well, it is, be, yeah. you
0: know, because when we, when you think of the very early studies of infants like Stern and things like that, when um, mother just even goes flat face, the infant gets very dysregulated. So I think of it as a kind of fundamental need. So as we're think so as we're talking about this, so we're beginning to think about if you go low, that the goal is to be to get you know, like to look up, to re-engage, to at least speak, to peak. Um, like sometimes I run in different groups and the way that I think about it is like, you know, any moving from isolation and withdrawal to any kind of contact. And I call it peaking, um, speaking, you know, take your time, you know, but basically it's like almost seducing someone out of it. in a very slow, but yes, I'm interested. Take your time. We'll come back to you. That sort of that's the kind of feel of it, and then with when it's high and it's activated, it's more of containment, right? And talking quietly, and also you you were
2: talking earlier before we were on the podcast about when you when you had a baby and the child was crying a lot that you would hum, and so I thought that was a great example because because the um, your Your vocal cords are actually innervated by your smart vagus and your social engagement system. Um, When you sang to your child, you were actually stimulating the vagus nerve and you were calming yourself down because all his crying had made you agitated. But you were also, by singing, making him calmer because when we listen... We actually, um, we actually have to use some of the muscles that are also innervated by the vagus nerve. And so the social, social engagement system is pulled back online and we're moved into that green zone. So both mother and child are both moved into the green zone.
0: Yeah, it's such a great example of just the natural, like I didn't know any of that, right? Um, but. I would be, I would get so upset um, and I didn't know anything else to do, but somebody had said lullabies, right? (laughs) So now you're right. Like now I understand what that is or was and thank heavens. Um, you know, but for millennials, you know, that that uh, that people naturally do did that and just of chanting and humming and singing and lullabies as a way of regulating oneself. I, so I totally agree. And uh, um, um,
1: let's take a break for just a second, because this I love talking with you guys. This is a we are doing this podcast out of a. Uh, out of labors of love and it's a wonderful love because you can tell that we love this topic and we love our listeners who are interested in this topic but we have such an appreciation and gratitude for a sponsor and we want to tell you about it that's helping us produce this.
2: Yeah we have a new sponsor and it's Theranest And TheraNest provides practice management software for therapists. And so those of our listeners who are therapists, this might be of interest to you. Um, you can contact them by going to our website. And there is a ad on our website that will have a special offer just for our listeners that they put together. And you can click that and it'll take you to the website and it'll explain all about the special offer.
1: And, you know, for those of us that don't really love the big- business aspect of our profession, we feel gratitude for those kind of services. That's right. So to to jump back for a second is why we're talking about when you were saying the different ways that you, you know, we want to help our listeners and ourselves recognize that these different systems, because it's really hard not to get mad at your partner because it seems so like if you just say, would you just give me eye contact, look up. And when you're upset and you're trying to talk to them and they're turtled up and they're avoiding eye contact and not looking at you, it's really hard to feel it unjust, unfair, and then not to even realize that you're getting activated and stimulating and you're coming further and more intense, like we were speaking about it. And so it's not like this insight all of a sudden means that when your partner starts looking down and turtling up or you're the turtle and they start banging you and saying, stop it, that you're going to have all this awareness and insight because we had to go back to that. This is really automatic and this is really deep inside of us. So it'd be nice for us to talk about some strategies of how to get out of it when you, you see your partner activated and you're activated at the same time because that's probably the more common dynamic, right? Because the turtling up is really, really hard or the person that's raising their voice and gnarling their teeth, it's really hard not to feel our own activation.
0: That's right. You know, Porges talks about the the face heart and as a system and particularly the upper half of the face. And so that's one of the things to sort of emphasize is like this is a physiologically driven, it's in our body, like you said, it's not in our awareness, it's not conscious, nobody's doing this on purpose. But the whole point of this is to help us become more conscious of it. And to give strategies. And what we're going to do just for time so that we don't go on and on and on is we're going to wrap this up pretty quickly. And then we're going to do a part two that's going to be nothing but talking about strategies when you're in the red zone, how to get back to the green. Or how to help someone else get back to the green. That's right. But I, I just sort of just last thought is that in order to feel compassion for another person, there's no way to feel compassion if we're armed. And so the the face, heart, and like, if we want to think of it as a portal. And um, so it's almost like, I mean, that's, those are, this is language. This is uh, Porges language. Is it, um, because one of the things about the nerve is that 80% of the information goes from the body to the brain and 20% of it is muscular. So w- literally just this is just a hint of what's to come that if we begin to consciously do things like make eye contact, um, soften our voice, breathe. In some situations, just, you know, rub our
2: arms, rub our shoulders, you know,
0: uh, particularly our neck. There's um, there's uh, because the nerve goes down the neck. Uh, so we'll talk in more detail about that and cover that. But the notion is that we're, we're trying to give the body from the gut and from all of these systems that it's running up to the brain signals of safety. And that's also going to come with our thoughts. And this is what this is about is the more that you can understand what's happening and that don't let the body be in charge. Um, that we're going to begin to be able to master and out these old brain systems. They're very ancient, uh, right? And I reptilian, think we'll, yeah. And one of the things for our listeners to
2: keep in mind is you're not doing something bad, and you probably can't change it overnight. But patience and compassion for yourself and your partner, or yourself and your child, will help you master these systems.
0: That's right. So thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do at your favorite podcast platform. Um, And if you've already a subscriber, then please rate and review us. Give us an honest rating and review. We would really appreciate that. On our website is www.therapistuncensored.com. And if you haven't yet, um, and if you are on our email list, we're going to be sending out, this is from a previous podcast, uh, Dan Siegel offered very graciously a pdf of his founding article about interpersonal neurobiology so we will probably by the time this is out we would have sent it out to our current subscribers so if you would like a copy of that then get on our email list and we we will
1: shoot you a copy thanks for listening see you around the bend
0: therapists uncensored is ann kelly patty alwell and sue marriott Cameron Lindsay edits the show.